0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: living is the life for me.
0: Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the Outdoor Living Hour, 4th. Saturday of the month, so we are in the Urban Farm with Farmer Greg, who's joining us via Remote Connection, the modern marvel of current technology, and we have uh, a wonderful segment prepared for y'all today. Last month, when we had Farmer Greg in, we were talking about food forest. Well, today we're talking about urban orcharding, and Greg, I just have to know, though, how did your orchard survive? I know last year, the reindeer were a little uh, selfish when they came through there and didn't <laughs> leave you with much. Santa had to kind of get on them and let them know, hey, that, that, that's not reindeer food.
1: Well, there you go. They do love the citrus, <laughs> though. That is for sure.
0: And all animals love the, the leaves. And you have no shortage at the urban farm there on your little, uh, uh, very modest-sized property, but a very robust uh, producer.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and that goes back to what we talked about last month, which is the food forest and, and nurturing the soil and all that kind of great stuff. But I have somewhere around 80, 75 or 80 fruit trees here on the property. And the property is a, a quarter of an acre that's 80 feet wide and 160 feet deep. So, you know, having 75 fruit trees on the property is, uh, is uh, a bit of a miracle.
0: And a miracle that didn't happen by accident. This was very intentional.
1: Exactly. Exactly. In fact, a bulk of over half of the fruit trees are in my front yard. And so when I do tours here at the Urban Farm, I start in the front yard and and I say to people, you know, there's 47 fruit trees in the front yard. And people look at me a little bit baffled. And it's about the design and the health of the soil that makes it able for me to be able to do that. And one of the big ways that I do it and a bulk of those trees are in hedges around the south side of the property, the front of the property and the, and the north side of the property. So I have my front yard, the fruit trees ring the entire front yard except for the driveway. So along the street, I have 14 navel or navel-like oranges that it's basically street, berm, yard. Uh, and then right there, on right parallel to the street is 14 navel-like oranges.
0: And I think it's important we, that hedge is, is a critical part of it because when we, most of us, I hear the word tree, you know, I picture this big, giant, you know, majestic tree. Yep. <clears throat> You've got them very organized and very maintained. So it's, it's a hedge and it's not a, a, a tree in a sense of a shade tree. This is a functioning producing uh, produce machine
1: you've got here. <laughs> no, that's a really good way of putting it. And that that's really what urban orcharding is because a, a standard size fruit tree can easily be 30 feet tall. And if I had a peach tree that was 30 feet tall and 25 feet wide in my front yard, um, You know it takes a big footprint up but that those peaches at the top of that tree are bird food so what we do in urban orcharding is we manage the trees out so that they're eight to ten feet tall so literally you can harvest them from the ground and by keeping the trees small and we do that through pruning i get this question a lot people come to me and say i need dwarf trees Well, unfortunately, and we're going to talk about this in a, in one of our other segments today, dwarfing rootstock doesn't do all that well here in the desert. And that's typically what keeps trees as dwarfs is they put it on a rootstock that dwarfs the tree. So what we do in urban orcharding is we manage the trees by pruning them out. As small trees. And it's a process. It takes uh, a lot of effort the first couple of years, but once you have that tree dwarfed, it's a whole lot easier to manage. And by keeping them dwarfed like that, and by having them as easy to manage, um, they, they're easier to prune, they're easier to harvest, um, you know, just generally, uh, it's a happier tree to work with.
0: What does that do for the produce you do get? In my mind, Mm -hmm. if you've got a tree capable of producing, you know, if left alone and it grows to its own 30 foot, but you're Mm -hmm. keeping it much smaller, you would think the produce you get off of it are that much more sweeter because it's having to produce less than it's capable of.
1: Yes, that's part of it. And interestingly enough, my 10 foot tall peach tree in my front yard, I get 50 pounds of peaches off of it over the course of the, you know, the three weeks. And um, that is plenty of peaches for Heidi and me. And, <laughs> and you know, enough to share with mom, and, you know, and like that. Um, really what makes this, the trees um, happier and the fruit tastier is how well you manage the soil underneath the tree. And we're gonna get to that in segment two in my uh, segment, I call three ways to kill your fruit trees. (laughs) Um, and so really managing the soil underneath the tree to make sure that it's nice and fluffy and lots of organic matter and like that, that has the fruit taste really well. And, uh, and then managing the tree small by pruning makes it manageable so that you can harvest the, fruit while standing on the ground, but it also does one other thing really, really nicely. Remember I said the, you know, the 30 foot tall tree by 25 foot canopy. That is one huge footprint for a fruit tree. That tree would literally fill up half of my front yard. With, let's just talk peaches for example. If in that same space, I can plant six different varieties of peaches on six different, you know, trees. And by keeping them small, uh, it allows me to put varieties that ripen at different times. We call this successive ripening. So the Desert Gold Peach ripens about May 15th. The tropic snow or the swazi Swirl Peach, uh, two really nice peaches, ripen about the first week of uh, June, and then the mid pride peach ripens in late June. So we're not getting, remember the big tree we talked about, you could easily get three or 400 pounds of peaches off of that one tree in a two week period. What are you gonna do with all those peaches?
0: That's a lot of processing.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of processing, a lot of mess. So what we do in urban orcharding is we keep them small. That makes them easier to manage And it gives us successive ripening because we plant different varieties so that rather than having two weeks worth of peaches, we get, you know, three months worth of peaches because they ripen over that three month period.
0: And that you call successive ripening.
1: We call that successive ripening. Exactly. And now back to my front yard. What I do is I plant my trees in hedges as a hedgerow rather than... um, you know, rather than individual standing trees. So when you plant them in hedges, the goal is is that we get the trees to um, basically the side, plant them in a row, and they all kind of grow together. So the citrus trees that are, you know, on the front street side of my house, it just looks like a nice citrus hedge. And you really can't tell where one starts and, you know, where one ends. So if there's a bustle in your hedge row, don't be alarmed. Right, because somebody's stealing oranges. <laughs> Thank you, <Gary>. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so that's that's a, a little bit about urban orcharding. We have a whole document on what uh, Dave Wilson Nursery calls backyard orchard culture. And if somebody wants to shoot me an email at fruit trees, that's plural fruit trees at urbanfarm.org. I can send you that document. I'm working on that right
0: now. <laughs> I think nice. out of all the trees we've planted, I, I, at least 80% have Dave Wilson rootstock on them.
1: Oh, yeah. Dave Wilson, you know, they're they're one of the better growers. And unfortunately, uh, Ellie Cook, um, which was the other grower since the 1930s, went out of business last year. So we have one major grower that grows most of the rootstock or most of the fruiting and rootstock for us. For deciduous, uh, and we have one major grower in the state for citrus, which is you know Stacy and uh, and Mark and Stacy down at Sunset Citrus Nursery down in Yuma. And
0: that's a little scary to think that there's only two companies producing uh, trees to grow, but you know that's part of the reason we have this urban farm is because you know we feel that you know Farmer's Greg' vision of making our own communities, our own cities, sustainable food sources so that we don't have to rely on outside shipments is, is a critical part of the balance of a growing uh, a growing society, a growing population and Health. making sure that we are uh, healthy and, uh, you know, not stuck in a situation where, you know, we're reliant on our food sources coming in from outside because there are times breakdown and supplies happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've been saying that, well, probably on this show for five years, but I've been talking about that for 15 years about, you know, what happens if the grocery store shelves empty. And we actually saw that happen in March this year.
0: And you know? and we all survived then. And those of us with our own orchards and our own uh, food produce and production that we have on our own property, it was, you know, it, it we really didn't notice it until uh, the beignet mix we order out of New Orleans from Cafe Dumont took three oh, yeah. weeks to get to the house, and that was that was like in June. So we we really didn't notice anything until the yeah. beignet mix slowed down.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, and, and well, and oddly enough, the toilet paper. Go figure.
0: <clears throat> that, that's a different story. <laughs> we'll, 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 <laughs> right. we'll leave that one for someone else to figure out. We're talking with go. Farmer Greg here at Rosie on the House, 8 o'clock hour, 4th Saturday of the month. That is our outdoor living hour, and the 4th Saturday of the month, we bring in Farmer Greg to talk about all things urban farming to help us, uh, you know, just what we basically just said right there is make our, our own sustainable and regenerative Urban farms on our own property, whether we live in a home, castle, or cabin. Farmer Greg mentioned, you know, he's on a quarter of an acre. So no matter what size property your home's on, we'll find a way to make you an urban farmer. So you know, last segment, Farmer Greg, I asked about uh, you know the reindeer and if you're able to keep them from eating all of your produce there. What was Santa able to find you in hiding? Did he, did he pay you a visit last night or were you guys oh on the God. naughty list?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> so, keeping our trees small is really what urban orcharding is all about and it's it's a super simple process. Uh, with citrus, we'll touch on citrus. We do citrus in uh, October, but I'll touch on citrus cuz people all, always ask me, "Do I prune citrus the same way I prune deciduous trees?" you actually don't. What we want to do with citrus is you just plant them and then make sure that that you keep them the size and shape that you want them. It's that simple. And pruning citrus is you prune out the dead and make it the size and shape that you want it.
0: And that dead is nothing to alarm at. Every year that has dead stems inside, you just have to clean out. That's just citrus. You're not doing anything wrong. Now, if 40% of your tree's dead, something's wrong. But the little five, ten percent dead wood that that's just citrus. Exactly.
1: Don't panic if you have, you know, three or four dead branches in there, just get it get in and prune them out. The deciduous trees are a different story though, because they come into us bare roots. So what that means is there's no dirt around their roots.
0: You feel like you're sticking in a wooden broom handle into the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that and instead of having the the five gallon container with the rich soil all around it. Yep. I mean you The first time you do it, you think somebody's pulling a joke on you, (laughs) right? Like, like, watch this. He's going to go try and plant that. (laughs) However,
1: it's the best way to plant deciduous trees. Those trees are harvested at Dave Wilson Nursery in, uh, you know, in December, early December. They go in, they have this big machine and they dig them up when they're dormant. So the trees are asleep. They harvest them. They bring them to us down at the nursery. Um, They'll be here next week, probably, and we'll start processing them. And they're still dormant. And what we do in our processing is we have to manage the top of the tree the same way the roots got. So it got root pruned. So what we're doing is we're managing the top by pruning out a bunch of the top growth so that they match the bottom growth. Then when you come and pick up your trees and stick them in the ground, that tree is still dormant. And it breaks dormancy in the place that it's going to spend the rest of its life. If you're buying a potted tree that's recently been potted and you're taking it home and putting it into the ground, once it hits that pot, it starts to break dormancy in that pot. And then when you transplant it out of the pot into the ground, the dirt falls away and you lose all that root growth.
0: Well, I, I have a theory and no one's been able to prove it. But when I talk to guys about it, everyone says, you know what? Yeah, I, I that that does seem to be the same so however many years a plant is at a nursery in a mm-hmm. 5 or a 10 or a 15 gallon whatever however many years it's in that pot once it's then planted in the ground it takes that many years for it to return to normal growth cycle Ooh. So if it's only been there in a year, you put it in a year later, it, it hits mm-hmm. its normal. But if you're putting in something that's been in a pot for 10 years and it's a big you know, 72-inch box, it'll take almost 10 years before you start noticing any kind of significant growth or return to its, yeah. its tree life. I can't prove it. It's not science. It's just strictly observation over years of, of planting and watching trees. And why is this one growing faster? And if you put in a plant that's been in a box for 10 years and one that's only been in for a year at a 10-year growth, that smaller tree is going to be as big as that 10-year plant. It's it's just a personal observation. It is absolutely not scientifically proven by any means, (laughs) but just something to consider when you're selecting your trees. Buying a bigger one isn't always better, and it's not necessarily going to say that, you know, and in, in a few more years, it's going to be this much bigger. If you're trying to get some kind of tree for a treehouse or you know mm-hmm. well, a big monster shade, that big tree, it's going to be like that for a little while after planting, in my opinion Interesting. and an observation
1: over years. Hmm. I have no data on that for you, so <laughs> I was I was kind of had my fingers crossed before you started sharing that I might be able to contribute there, but I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> it's just an observation, <laughs> and Got it's it. not not proven, but anyway. So.
1: Bare root trees, you bring them home, you put them in the ground, they break dormancy after you stick them in the ground, and the first year they're going to grow like mad. Your job, the second year, so a year after you plant it, your job is to reduce the size of that tree 40 to 50%. Basically, what we're doing is we're dwarfing it by pruning it. And if you do that, and people freak out about this all the time, about the amount that we prune their trees (laughs) or we suggest they prune their trees. I planted my perfectly pruned peach in the front yard eight years ago, and I cut it down to to eight inches tall. I cut the thing down, the the whole tree down to eight inches. It is the perfectly pruned 50 pounds of peaches a year peach in my yard. It's amazing.
0: It, and it's funny, um our arborist that comes in, Eisenhower, he talks that's, of his story. One of his peach trees, the dog actually chewed it after yep. he planted it. And yep, of he got all, that one for me, I think. Uh, he did. And of, and of the peach trees he planted, the one the dog chewed almost to the ground today is the one that's doing the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amen. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm talking about. So keeping your trees smaller through pruning um is is the best thing you can do for your trees for their growth. And, you know, so if you have, you plant this tree the first year and you get a branch that grows six feet, I tell people to cut that three feet of that off, cut it back 50%. Well, we
0: can do a lot here, but we can't stop the clock. That music signals bottom of the hour news. We'll be back with Farmer Greg and we'll get to that three ways to kill your fruit trees right after this. welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. And, you know, Farmer Greg has three ways to kill your fruit tree. does not include uh, getting eaten by reindeer. This is things you yourself can do. Uh, Incidentally, (laughs) that's common practice. You see it a lot happening in uh, the state of Arizona. But this is, you know, three things to avoid, no matter how many times you see somebody else doing it, to prevent killing your fruit trees. Take it away, Farmer Greg.
1: Well, Thanks. Yeah, I uh, I started looking at this maybe ten years or so ago when I'd get people pictures from people, and they would show me trees and they'd say, "Is this going to live?" In fact, I I had one guy a couple of years ago send me a picture, um, and the tree was completely dead, and he said, uh, "Is it dead?" <laughs> and it was apparent it was dead. It was just like wow. So I have seen over and over and over again the three ways that people kill their fruit trees. And unfortunately, like you said, it's the way that a lot of this stuff is done. All landscapes are put in with uh, gravel, either gravel or dirt um, in a really hot microclimate. So uh, with block walls and a lot of concrete and then gravel around it. So uh, gravel, dirt, uh, hot microclimate or drip irrigation. I can't tell you how many times I see pictures of dead trees and they have one one gallon per hour drip emitter right next to the trunk.
0: It's still where they are up against the trunk like they planted it. <laughs> exactly.
1: Now, if you have gravel or dirt or block walls or a lawn for that matter, um, we have solutions for all three of those you can actually grow fruit trees in that space. You just have to be cognizant of it. So let's talk about a hot microclimate, which includes gravel and dirt and block walls and that kind of stuff. The solution is building healthy soil around the base of the tree and then adding woody mulch. So I have what I call my 6-6 rule of planting trees. Notice I didn't say fruit trees, You can do this for any and every tree you plant in your yard and it will have them thrive a whole lot better. And the 6-6 rule is six inches of woody mulch minimum and a six foot diameter basin around the tree. So, you know, create your basin and often what you can do is just rake back the gravel six feet. And remember I said 6-6 minimum. Go ahead, Romy.
0: And, I was just, and that gravel's easy to camouflage in the rest of the landscape if it's a full gravel landscape. It, it yep. feels like a lot when you start it, but when you spread it over the top, it, it blends in really easily.
1: Yeah. So well, and I, what I'm suggesting is that you rake it back in a basin. So make a six-foot diameter basin. You plant your tree in the middle on a mound so it stands up a little bit. And, um, and then put six inches of woody mulch around the basin. And I'm not talking... Little six inches, I'm talking a lot of six inches. I mean, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten inches of woody mulch, the thicker the better. That woody mulch, and uh, tree experts, you will hear them talk about building healthy soil all the time around your trees, like it happens in a forest. You know, leaves and sticks and animals come by and drop poop and all that kind of stuff in a forest, and over time it makes really healthy soil. So that's what we're trying to do around our trees, is make this amazingly healthy soil and you do it by adding woody mulch and what happens at the interface between the dirt and the woody mulch is soil starts to build very quickly not dirt and that soil not That's dirt. the key there Exactly. What you have is dirt. There's five components of healthy dirt. And I try and get this in every time I talk to you guys because it's such an important concept, especially in the desert. There's five components of healthy soil. Your job in growing a healthy garden and healthy trees is to build healthy soil. Dirt is one component of healthy soil. Airspace, water, organic matter, and everything everything alive in the soil. Those are the five components. That's dirt, airspace, water, organic matter, and everything that's alive. The good news is, is really simple to fix broken dirt. You add lots of organic matter, and you do that by adding six to eight inches of woody mulch in a six to eight foot diameter basin around your trees. That, uh, that woody mulch acts as, um, as a sponge It acts as an insulator and it breaks down. And once it starts breaking down, all that, the microorganisms show up and they're doing the work. So if you have a hot microclimate, one with a lot of gravel, one with a lot of dirt, one with a lot of concrete, doing your basin is gonna exponentially improve your ability to successfully grow that tree, whatever kind of tree it is. So that's the, six, six rule. And that manages out the heat, which is one of the things that kills the tree. It manages out um, the, you know, the gravel and soil issue that you have underneath. Um, And then the third thing that people do constantly to kill trees is put them on drip irrigation. First of all, if you have any choice whatsoever, do not put your trees on drip irrigation, put them on bubblers. You put one or two bubblers in the basin and turn those bubblers on so that the tree can deep water once a month in the winter, three or four times a month in the, in the hot season. So what you're doing is you're turning on those bubblers and letting the basin fill and deep water the tree. You've seen in parking lots uh, and in parks and that kind of stuff where tre- after a storm in the summertime, the trees are blown over? All the time, all the time. It's because they're not getting deep water. If you deep water your trees, that takes the roots down deep into the ground. It's going to hold that tree in more solidly into the ground. So that's the that's my three ways to kill your tr- fruit trees. Spiel. Don't put them in gravel. Make you know, or if you've got gravel or grass, even you know, put your six foot diameter basin in your in your lawn. Um, so the 6-6 six, six rule is really important. And then the other thing that's really, really important is what you actually put in your planting hole. And we have a prescription for doing that through the Urban Farm Fruit Tree Program. And that's that you plant 60% planting mix in the hole, along with 40% of your native soil. So you dig your hole and we're actually suggesting that people do them square these days. Um, there's a long story behind that, but dig a square hole, take 40% of the dirt out of the hole, put it in the wheelbarrow, take a bag or two of, I like to use Farmer Greg's planting mix, surprise, surprise, <laughs> and uh, mix that in the wheelbarrow. And to that, we want to add an ounce of that's, uh That's microbial life for the roots of the plant, you're gonna add a pound of azomite and a pound of worm castings. And actually what we're doing is we're changing that out this year and we're suggesting that you add two kits. That's our planting kit, mycorrhiza, azomite and worm castings. So we're suggesting two ounces of mycorrhiza, two pounds of azomite and two pounds of worm castings. You mix that all in the wheelbarrow, you plant your bare root tree in the square hole in the ground with all that good juicy stuff in the, in the wheelbarrow, deep water it, and then put your woody mulch in the basin. And that is a prescription that uh, will have your trees grow amazingly. And after the break, I have the silver bullet, the thing that will absolutely have your trees thrive, especially in this heat, especially in this heat.
0: Now we have about 4 minutes till the break. Do you want to oh very dive into that now or you want to
1: you want to hold on to that? We're going to hold on to that one to keep okay. them, keep them here after the break. So <laughs> um, I get this question a lot. People ask me what kind of trees grow here. In fact, I was on I was on the call with uh, on a call the other day with a with the young lady and I mentioned peaches growing in my yard and she said, "What? Mm-hmm. We can grow peaches?" In the desert, you can absolutely grow peaches in the desert. Um, You can grow apples in the desert, apricots, plums. They all do really well here. You just have to have the correct variety. And this is the reason I started my education program. You can go into most nurseries in this in this city and every big box store and they will sell you a fruit tree that will never make fruit.
0: In our climate. You had mentioned apples in our climate, and you know, in the Maricopa, Pinal County, Pima County, even a little bit. You know, most apples. I don't know any red apple that successfully grows. It's Annas. It's Golden Dorsets. It you know, we're not we're not a Macintosh state. It's not. It's just right. not cold enough. But you can find right. those types of
1: oh, trees. Yeah. That, you know, I was on. I was on a website for an organization here in town this week, and they had cherries, which will never grow and produce here. They had two dozen different kinds of apples, which will grow, but never produce here. Um, And so you have to know, you have to know what, what these three key pieces are in planting your fruit trees. And that's what we educate in our fruit tree program is how to know that. And it's, it's actually super simple. We talked about rootstock earlier and I mentioned that dwarfing rootstocks with the exception of a peach called a bonanza peach, none of the dwarfing rootstocks will do well here. The dwarf bonanza peach does really well, but it's the only, tr- only dwarf tree that we sell because none of the rest of them will thrive. And through our fruit tree education program, um, which I've been doing now for 21 years, Um, We only bring in trees that will actually produce and make a lot of fruit for you. So if you, and we actually guarantee that if you come to us, you buy one of our fruit trees in our fruit tree program at fruittrees.org and take it home, you do exactly what we tell you to do. Um, If it doesn't make it for the first, first year, we have a replacement program for that. And that's the reason I do this is because so many nurseries in every big box store will sell you trees that just aren't going to work here. The trees that we bring in will absolutely work if we tell you you know if you do exactly what we tell you to do. and you can tell I'm passionate about this, right? Because <laughs> uh, it just drives me nuts that you know I was at a Home Depot and there was an apple that, that was 800 hours chill.
0: Uh, Flagstaff may not get that every year. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, so we have three things that you need to know in order to successfully buy a fruit tree. First of all, make sure it's on the right rootstock. Secondly, make sure it's low chill. We get less than 350 hours of chill um, in the low desert here. So if you plant an 800 hour chill apple, good luck. You're never going to get any apples. You know how I know? Because I've over the past 30 years of growing fruit trees here, I've planted them and tried to make them work. They just don't work. Sub 350 hours. The third piece, and this is the piece that most nurseries, I'm going to say all nurseries and definitely none of the big box stores know, and that is ripening time. The soft flesh fruit, which is berries and grapes and peaches and plums and apples. If you plant a variety of these soft flesh fruit that ripen in July, August, September, October, November. The likelihood of you getting any viable fruit is very little. So the third thing you need to know after less than 350 hours of chill, making sure it's on the right rootstock. The third thing you need to know is those fruit trees, apples, peaches, apricots, plums, berries, and grapes need to ripen and be off of the tree by july 1st otherwise they cook on the tree the reason i know this is because over the years i've planted out dozens of different varieties of august pride peaches and fall growing apples and they just don't produce now somebody said to me the other day on facebook well i got apples off of my pink lady it's like great that's awesome You're experimenting, you should do that. How many apples did you get? Well, I got eight apples.
0: (laughs) All right, hang tight. We got our final segment with Farmer Greg coming up right after this. It's Rosie. We're talking about chill hours going into the break. And just for the sake of accuracy, uh, I'd mentioned Flagstaff may not even get 800. And I'm looking on tomorrowsharvest.com. And they have a map compiled from data put together by the University of Maryland. And Flagstaff does vary between 8 and a 1,000 chill hours. So going to do a, a quick recap, and then let's get
1: to the silver bullets. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, you, you, you can't get me started on fruit trees, apparently. <laughs> so three things you need to pay attention. Uh, I do think a lot of things in threes, so we have the three ways to get your fruit trees. These are the three things you need to make sure that you are aware of when you're buying a fruit tree. Are they low chill enough for the low desert? Less than 350 hours of chill. If that tag on the tree doesn't say... how many chill hours, and this is for deciduous trees, don't buy it. Number two is make sure it's on the right rootstock. You're going to have to do a little bit more research if you want to find out what the right rootstock is for the low desert, unless you come and buy the trees from us. They're all on the right rootstock and they're all less than 350 hours of chill. The third thing you need to make sure that you know, and this is a urban farm-ism, and that is that the fruit for soft flesh fruit needs to be off of the tree, harvested off of the tree by July 1st, such are peaches, apricots, plums, grapes, those kinds of things. So those are the three things you need to know. The quickest and easiest thing to do is visit us at fruittrees.org and participate in our education program. We offer literally dozens of hours of free classes on how to make sure that you're picking the right trees and growing the right trees. Um, And then you can get your fruit trees from us, along with all the supplies you need for success.
0: Of all the gardening and growing we do, trees are my favorite because if you've got a good irrigation system, it doesn't take a whole lot of work when you're growing lettuce and carrots in these little garden areas. And you've got to constantly have this plant prison to keep rabbits and birds. And, you know, when the tree gets big enough, there's enough there for everybody. Man, once they get going the abundant amount of produce you get. I mean, there's a, a period of time in the spring and the way we thin our apple trees is we go yep. take all the little buds off and we feed them to the horses and, and they absolutely love them. And you know, that helps us you know, get bigger
1: apples for produce later. Yeah, that's another thing that uh, people <laughs> are really weary about is thinning your trees. Uh, you have to thin at least 50% of the the fruit set off of the tree in order to get a nice big fruit. About 10, 12 years ago, we had a late season frost in in early February that knocked off 50% of the peaches off of my tree. That year I had almost softball sized peaches. There was not as many of them, but they were the most amazing peaches both in taste and in size that we'd ever had here. So you got to thin your peach trees and Apples and citrus are self thinning, which is nice.
0: And we've got about two and a half minutes left. What's the silver bullet?
1: Ah, the silver bullet. So we have had the two hottest summers on record ever. I can't tell you how many people have contacted me with dead trees. My trees are dying. My trees died. Oh, the saguaro fell over. That's how dry it was. We got the, it was March 18th to November like 15th. We had no rain here at the urban farm for that six or seven month period. It was hot and dry. And in talking with Tom Spellman at Dave Wilson Nursery and in talking with um, uh, Scott Murray, at uh, he's a uh, urban farming consultant over in San Diego. They both said, drum roll, please, foliar feeding. Foliar feeding is where we actually take... Um, Kelp and fish emulsion. So a fish fertilizer, you usually put a an ounce of fertilizer in a gallon of water, and you physically spray it on the leaves of the trees. And we have put together a year-round, month by month program here at the urban farm of foliar feeding, telling you how much what to use, and there is a great business company here in town called High Creations. We should get them on the show. These guys are amazing. Um, That they make four different kinds of foliar feeds so that there's a foliar spray for for your garden beds and for your fruit trees every month. And that will absolutely have your trees thrive.
0: Well, and I believe if I'm looking right in my 20, oh, yep, this is 2021 calendar, next month we are talking fruit trees, so maybe we'll work with High Creation to come on and take a segment of that.
1: Oh, yeah, let's do it. Beautiful. I'm loving it. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, Merry Christmas, Farmer Greg. Hope y'all had Thank a you, wonderful sir. time uh, last week. Happy New Year. We'll be talking to you again mm-hmm. in the new year, and y'all uh, enjoy this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning and the rest of your weekend.
1: Woohoo! Thank you for having us and help sharing the word about planting your own fruit trees.
0: UrbanFarm.org. Woo!